0: Welcome to the never-ending quest for clarity. This is Loving Liberty with Brian Hyde. Hey, welcome to second hour of our show. This is the Loving Liberty broadcast. A shout-out to Talk 1640 AM in Salt Lake City for being our pilot station. And, of course, you can always catch the podcast when it's convenient for you. I'm trying to do this really low-pressure sale here. Yes, I'd like you to subscribe. I'd love you to hang on every word, but really, it should be on your own terms. Would you like to buy a car? Okay, just, just checking. Hey, I'm very pleased to introduce an old friend from high school, Colin Muldoon. Colin, you have been on the show before, but welcome back to Loving Liberty. Well, thank you, Brian. And and I was trying to think of, of enough appropriate titles and accomplishments by which to uh introduce you. I was just gonna say, look, Grand Pooh of all creation and leave it at that, but I felt like you, you might you might feel a little bit <laughs> slighted if if maybe I left off some things. You are a some,
1: grand no, no, no. The Grand Pooh
0: The Grand Pooh Bah,
1: really? And where does that come from?
0: (laughs) Actually, it's just from Mad Respect. Colin is a songwriter and a singer and a musician, and you have a ton of other talents, too. I probably left off a few of the hats that you wear. Uh, Here's your opportunity to to fill us in. Um, Specifically, we're here to talk today about a song that you uh, just recently wrote and recorded, but uh, tell us what else you do.
1: Well, actually, Brian, (laughs) I'm unemployed. I, uh... Unheard well, of I'm in these times. Guy. Yeah, that's... I'm a guy who, uh, who was furloughed. Wow. And, yeah. And so, you know, I'm one of those guys. And, uh, I was in retail. And it was... As far as my employer is concerned, they were nice. I live with an elderly father. Uh, and, um... Yeah, back uh, I guess March 23rd when Brad Little, our governor uh, in Idaho, um, kind of, you know, well he didn't kind of he shut everything down. He
0: shut the door definitely.
1: Yeah, and um, now what I did, what I what I asked my employer was. May I take this time off? And they said yes, or yeah. And uh, and so yeah, I've, I've been unemployed, and I don't even want to get into this this weird thing. How you uh, make more money being unemployed, right? Than not. It's
0: all about incentives.
1: Yeah. That well, is a thing.
0: Okay, so I have to ask you this, and I'm sorry if this puts you on the spot, but no, um, go ahead. But in the position that you're in right now, um, how are you doing? How are you weathering this shutdown? It's It's been different in different states. Utah didn't clamp down quite as hard as Idaho did, but um, h- how are you coming through this? It's been quite a few weeks now. Are you, are you keeping it together okay?
1: Yeah. yes. And first of all, I want to say this. Idaho did a tremendous job. I think they did, and um, I don't have any complaints because all right we had two county or actually yeah it was two counties that had outbreaks that were pretty serious all right I wasn't in those counties but I worked in those counties and and they um, I think that. Everything that they did was spot on. I have no complaints. Um, it is interesting how money is distributed. You know, um, we could talk about that, but we don't have to. Okay. Well, um, I mean, we, we we really don't have to. I mean, because we're we're going to go down a rabbit hole that is not necessary but there's so much money out there that people are getting and me too which i don't really believe that we should get
0: yeah the the uh, stimulus rescue bill i'm sorry there's there's another acronym for it but uh the oh you mean oh okay the two trillion (laughs) dollar bill passed by congress signed by the president you know to get that funding out there um Very generous on the part of uh, politicians handing out other people's money you know, via taxes or via via borrowing in this case. But Uh it's it's remarkable how little of that, like 85% of it, went to very well-connected industries with good lobbyists and supportive of this politician or that politician. And I think it was around 15%, may have been as low as 13%, actually being distributed to the people who are feeling the pinch of not being able to work at this time.
1: Yes, but I guess from a guy who, uh, you know, knows how much he makes and, you know, I don't know how to say this. I really don't. Other than the fact that, um, yeah, no, there's, there's way too much money. Being spread around, and I don't even know how it started with like two trillion. Now we're up to eight trillion. As if you look at the Fed. Yep. And I don't even know where where does that even come from? Magic. And and the uh, the uh, the idea, if you look at the bills, um, which admittedly I just skimmed over. You know, way, way, way too. I, I just too comprehensive for me. But the, uh, I think that there's just a lot of pork there.
0: Oh, I would. But I, I would agree. It, it,
1: it wasn't. It wasn't something necessarily directed. I do understand. All right. So I have a friend who does the same job that I do, and she needs this money and this
2: enhanced
1: unemployment right um, to pay rent to do to do the things that she needs to get done um, I don't know I guess I, it is weird it, it's weird making more money not working than working.
0: Does it make you feel dirty? A little bit. I, you yeah. know, I, I don't. I, I'm saying oh, that tongue yucky. in cheek. Yeah. At the sure. same time, if the alternative is, well, but I can't pay rent or I can't pay groceries or I can't you know, survive, it doesn't really leave you a lot of choices. Now, Colin, you've had a lot of time on your hands, but you have put your considerable talents to work during this time. Talk to me about the song. We're, when we come back from the break here in a, a couple of minutes, um, mm-hmm. we're going to play a song that you have composed and written. Set the stage for us, though, before we go to break. We've got about two minutes before before we gotta bail here. Tell me about the song "Terrible Town," and and what prompted you to to sit down and, and create this.
1: It was a challenge. Um, another friend of ours from high school. Uh, we were in a band together, and you remember that band. I remember and, it well. And. Uh, so, he and I were talking and one night, and I said, I bet I can write a song quicker than you can. <laughs> and uh, he said, okay. And it was like a two-week thing. We, neither one of us made it, but the, uh, but, so I, I sat down one night, and I, I saw, it was stream of consciousness, I write of consciousness and um, that was the terrible you'll, you'll hear it in the chorus but this terrible people terrible intentions and it doesn't really mean um, anything in particular you know it, it was just more of a kind of an overall thing and then what, what I was saying was People on the Trump side are going to say Trump is great. People on the Schumer side or the Pelosi side are going to say they're great. And they're both going to battle. And um, or, you know, the Cuomo side or, you know, whatever. You know, there were science people talking and Then there were other science people talking. It it was just, it was just a weird, weird kind of surreal thing where misinformation, disinformation, um, uninformation. Right. If you were, if you really, really remember this, going back to late January, into February, into late February, into March, It was just strange and and so anyway hold that thought
0: hold that thought we're going to take a real quick break here when we come back colin muldoon is my guest we're going to play his song terrible town it's a great song i've only had a chance to listen to it three times so far it's catchy it'll stick with you and there's a great message behind it as well this is loving liberty we'll be back after these messages Once again, welcome back to Loving Liberty. My guest is Colin Muldoon. I actually graduated high school with Colin uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah, like 35 years ago. 36 years ago? How long has it been? been I don't
1: know. We were class of 84.
0: Yeah, it's been 36 years. Okay. So, yeah, we're both getting a little bit long in the tooth. Uh, Colin has always been a very talented singer and songwriter and musician. And uh, actually, you you had a band with a number of uh, other students that we went to school with. And, uh-huh. and so we're, we're going to give props where props are due. But I want to play this song for our listeners. Uh, it's called Terrible Town. Set the stage for us before I click the play button. And, and I'll have you introduce the song for us if you would, please.
1: Okay. Well... <clears throat> It was a challenge, and a friend of mine, you know, in the same band, our friend, um, I said, let's write a song during the COVID thing, you know, and we're not doing anything, so you do, you write a song, I'll write a song, and uh, turns out, I think I won. I think I got to the finish line first. And uh, another mate, you know, in our band uh, helped me out. And uh, it was just, it was one of those things where I, it really came fast. It was just, I was just thinking about the, the whole situation, you know, everything. Not being political, not doing anything. So that, you know, what, what is this? that we're all doing you look at the tv everybody is arguing you know they're arguing about bills they're arguing about how to take care of they're arguing about seriously everything and so that's kind of where it came from and um okay you know
0: shall shall we click play (laughs)
1: sure i mean i guess did i do all right
0: you did great This is Terrible Town. Mm ¶¶
3: Single one of us, a terrible town standing at their podiums, a refuse pouring from their lips. Trust us, is a message, but the message comes in quick. person, terrible soul, terrible intention, terrible woe, terrible people dragging us down. Terrible town Terrible person Terrible soul Terrible intentions Terrible woe Terrible people
0: us down
3: Every single one of us is terrible Terrible town
0: say hey, that that's that's impressive talent you got there Colin. Well, thank you. Well done. Okay. Um so go ahead. You you and I talked during the break and I told yeah. you I wanted to ask you if there was is there a particular message that you want the listener to take away as, as they hear those words as they hear that music and 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 I th- share the answer that you shared with me.
1: Well, I think it's one of those things uh, all right, like I, I told you, I wrote it really quickly. But it was really kind of a... It was just a feeling, right? And and the... Um, I'm, I'm not talking about the music. I mean, that, that took a little longer. But the lyrics were just... I just wrote them really quickly, just how I felt. And... Um, so if you're in the quagmire, you know, or you in the crowd, um, raise your hand so you can see you. Or do you think you're not allowed? What does that even mean? I don't know. Well, what does it mean to you? It means to me. It means you're just lost. You know, with all the information. All the disinformation, all the stuff, you know, all the media pounding, 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 whatever media you watch. That's what that means.
0: Now, I have to confess here, Colin, one of the one of the things that made me excited to have you here on the show is uh, a little known skill in addition to his music and and his uh, singing and songwriting Colin is one of the best people I know at facilitating good, deep discussion between people with really divergent points of view. And I don't know if this goes back to your days as, as a, a champion debater for Twin Falls High School. But, uh, brother, you are, you are really good at bringing people together who are definitely not on the same page and enabling them to have those conversations without, uh, you know, without it ending in, in fingers around one another's throats.
1: <laughs> yeah, thank you. I appreciate that.
0: Well, it's we, it's you know, a great skill, and and is it ever needed? I thought we were polarized, and I thought you know we couldn't get much more polarized than we are right now. And then this COVID nineteen thing came along, and I went, well, I'll be darned. <laughs> Apparently, we can.
1: Right. Yeah. And and you, you saw it. I mean, you're seeing it right now. I mean, it, it it's amazing. Um. People deny science, or they, they 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 distrust science, or you know they go the complete other way, and um, they're uh, you know science is going to uh, mean something. Or I, I I'm sorry, I, it's
0: okay. We are up weird. against the break here. My friend, yeah. it has been a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks for sharing your song with us, and let's have you back again. I think we have more we could be talking about. Thanks, Brian. All right, that was Colin Muldoon. I'll see if I can find a way to attach. Um, I mean, you got the you got the song here in the in the audio of the show, but uh, this is worth checking out. Trusted voices of truth and insight. This is the Loving Liberty Radio Network. Hey, welcome back to Loving Liberty. Phone lines are open now, 801-331-8113. I hope it's not too self-indulgent to, uh, you know, connect up and reminisce with old friends, but uh, I don't know. There's a special place in my heart for Colin. I just, I admire his talent. He's always been a really talented guy. And I think one of the things I like best is there, there are so many people out there on social media and on, um, you know, Facebook or just online that, that live for conflict. And they love to, you know, I posted this because this is going to own the libs or this is going to own the conservatives. And Colin's not one of those guys. When he poses a question and he has some terrific thought starter material. It's always with the intent of, hey, what could we learn by discussing this as opposed to, you know, who will break whom in the in the Colosseum today? I wish there were more people like that. You know, it's it's uh, maybe it's maybe I identify because of my own distaste and my own distrust for politics and how it, it tends to turn us tribal. And divide us up into little squabbling groups that, uh, that have to fight each other, you know, for some perceived advantage. Well, that's, uh, that's one of the reasons I had uh, Colin come on the show. Thank you for indulging, and I would encourage you check to that, check that music out. I just I love the fact that uh, that there are people who can, can utilize music. I can't carry a tune in a bucket. You sit me next to somebody who sings with perfect pitch, and I might be able to follow along for a little bit, but you put me on my own. I'm flatter than a cat that's been out on the highway for about a week. I am just a nothing when it comes to singing, but I sure admire the ones who can do it. All right. 801-331-8113. What else shall we talk about today? Um, I'm a little bit encouraged, even though as I went to the store yesterday and I noticed that some of the stores, in particular Smith's, was limiting pork purchases to only two pork products per person. Now, it's not because I go and buy, you know, I'm going to buy half a pig and, you know, all the pork chops and everything I get my hands on. But we've been talking about some of the potential uh, disruptions in the food supply chain. Uh, I'm seeing more and more disturbing stories, probably because I'm looking for them. But there's a lot of waste and there's a lot of artificial scarcity that is coming into play because of meatpacking plants that have been shut down and so forth. At the same time, there are some opportunities opening up. Here's some good news for you. This is from Reason.com. A new Wyoming law lets local ranchers sell cuts of meat directly to consumers. This is from Balin Linikin. Sorry, Balin uh, Wyoming's first and best in the nation, food freedom law, just keeps getting better. And when it comes to food freedom, I think uh, this is one of the places where It's probably good to plant your flag, maybe even be a little bit of an activist, be a little bit of the obnoxious person who's, you know, getting attention. Because let's face it, we all have to eat in order to survive. And even though a majority of the population has likely forgotten how things get from the farm to your fork, this is extremely important stuff not to lose sight of and certainly not to allow to fall under the control of just a a tiny handful of of people who are allowed to make decisions. That's how you end up with things like the uh, Holodomor in uh, the Ukraine during Stalin's reign. I'll come back to this article in just a moment. Again, a new Wyoming law lets local ranchers sell cuts of meat directly to consumers. Maybe it's just my love of barbecue, but I'm like, tell me more. (laughs) Where do I subscribe to your newsletter? Let's go to the phone 801-331-8113. Hi, welcome to Loving Liberty.
4: Yeah, Brian, Sam calling, and my answer to that article you were just reading there is, as it should have been, all along.: Right. The state has no business telling me where I can and cannot buy my food. It's called responsibility, and it's another way they've taken it away from us. It <laughs> would be known if you dig into the money end of it. It's because if you buy from another person individually, why they're not getting their quote-unquote cut, shall we say?
0: No, I think I think that's exactly it. Artificial barriers, protection for, you know, this industry or that industry. Who may or may not have funded this senator or that senator's reelection campaign? Wink wink.
4: Yeah, nine times out of ten. And that's the thing that's hardest to get people to understand. Mo most stuff that's passed down the pipeline is never for your good. It sounds like it. They they you know, remember um, uh, it something well enough you can sell dung to and they'll take it no problem right so my my whole thing on this issue is is that nine times out of ten something that seems like it would be good for you uh on the other hand it's like uh in some towns where it's uh illegal for example for a person to do their own plumbing or electrical work in their own homes and stuff okay um They'll sell it to you as if, well, we need to keep you safe. But then when you dig into it, you'll find that, well, it's more about protecting a electrician's union or something like that, if you know what I mean.
0: Hear, here. And food is so, too important to, to put completely under bureaucratic control.
4: Yep, that's exactly right. And uh, I just wanted to weigh in on that because when you read that, I thought,
2: yeah,
4: this is exactly my point. I've been saying this all along. And I figure I may as well uh, reinforce the argument in that article uh, for the audience as well. Not that I'm the end all the be all, but certainly I'm a liberty-oriented guy. Liberty for all, as long as you don't violate somebody else's rights. Liberty for all. Amen. And, uh, and, re- and the ability to be responsible and not state, micromanage every hand and move that I make.
0: Sam, so, I thank you for your call. You bet. Thank God you much. Take care. So let me let me dig into this article just a little bit here. This article talks about how Wyoming's groundbreaking Food Freedom Act has served as a national model for how states can deregulate many of their in-state food sales. It's a five-year-old law that opened up many previously illegal food transactions in Wyoming. And so for five years it's been delivering on its promise to benefit ranchers, other food entrepreneurs, and consumers alike. And it's done so without a single case of foodborne illness being tied to any foods sold under the law. And you do know that is always the, the caveat, you know, and, well, no, if it's not under control of the government, why people are going to be dropping dead from this disease and that disease. And this is why, you know, people feel like, no, it was a good idea to send a SWAT team out to that Amish farm and, you know, take down that uh, Amish farmer who uh, milks dairy cows and sells raw milk. Why? Well, because someone could have got sick and died. Well, did they? No. But they could have. Okay. Scary stuff. Balin Linekin, again, writing for reason.com says the law also keeps getting better. So it's been in place for five years, but they've been improving it. They actually did an amendment uh, to the act, allowing low risk foods like homemade jams to be sold in grocery stores, as well as sold and consumed in restaurants. And there's another new amendment to the law passed last month set to take effect in July, which could further bolster the fortunes of ranchers and consumers in the state A new animal share amendment will let consumers buy individual cuts of meat directly from ranchers through an animal share agreement. That's completely outside of the typical U.S. Department of Agriculture inspection regime. It's something that's still illegal in the other 49 states. It's also why a Wyoming law could why the Wyoming law rather could be a game changer for ranchers in the state. And should other states follow suit, perhaps a valuable new revenue stream for farmers and ranchers across the country. I like the sound of that almost as much as I like the sound of one of those steaks hitting a nice hot grill. Let's go back to the phone caller. Welcome to the show.
2: Yes, Brian, I went to Kim hang market in West Valley a few hours ago, Asian market, uh, Cambodian. Let me get back to that in a minute. Sign on the door said masks, please wear masks. This is not a man I would, you know, that took me by surprise. That's, it, this is not in part of his character. And then I go in there, and they don't have the plexiglass uh, sneeze screens. The or shields? Screens. Yeah. What they have is uh, plastic wrap. Wow. They, they they have plastic wrap. It's just crazy. The health department must be picking on these guys because I've seen it at another Asian market, too, and he wasn't wearing a mask. He's from Vietnam, this other store, not buying it. But obviously he's complying because he's afraid of the cops. He's afraid of the power of the state. Now, back to the Cambodian guy. He was a young child in the early 70s.
0: Probably has seen some things, I would guess.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. He knows where this goes. He knows what food shortages look like. He knows how a certain class can be uh, vilified and then put to death with guns sold I've uh, given to them by the USA.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I've, I've, I've been having a conversation off and on this morning with, with a friend who's like, look, it's not like we're, you know, being rounded up and sent off to concentration camps, you know, and why is everybody so upset about uh, all these shutdown orders? And, and my response was, we don't have to be standing at the gates of Auschwitz to recognize that the steps we're taking or even tiptoeing are leading us in a predictable direction. So, it's probably best to say something now than when you are actually standing at the gates, assuming that that's not really where you want to go. An uncontrolled government can do some remarkable things. Jared, can you hang with me through the break here? Sure. Okay, stick around. We're going to come back. We'll take your call after these messages. This is Loving Liberty. All right, welcome back to Loving Liberty. Brian Hyde at your service. I've got Jared on the line with me. And Jared, we're talking about, among other things, food, one of my favorite subjects. You're kind of a a connoisseur yourself and an excellent cook. But we're also talking about the larger issue of food and freedom. And things that interfere with our ability to get our food have a very direct impact on our freedom, do they not?
2: Well, if if you can't, if you're too weak from hunger that you can't do, you can't work, and you certainly can't fight if you're too weak from hunger. And right now, they're they're starving us. We are the enemy, and they are starving us out into submission.
0: Now, okay, I'm gonna. I, can I push back a little bit on that? I don't sure. know. I don't know very many people who have have missed a meal. I know people who are very concerned about how I'm going to keep feeding my family. People who've lost their jobs people who, you know, are just getting by and and don't have, uh, you know, reserves of food to fall back on. But uh, but I can't say that I am personally aware of any examples of starvation at this point.
2: It's a slow kill. It's a slow kill. More, more so they're starving you into giving up whatever freedom you have in support of the state. Hungry people will do desperate things. Scared people will do desperate things to their neighbors for a little promised security.
0: That's for sure, no, and I, I don't disagree with you at all and and, and I, I guess what what I'm getting at is for people who say, well, we're not there yet, people aren't being starved, they aren't being rounded up and shipped off to you know concentration camps. That's not the point the The question that's at the root of all this is, are government entities from the local level right on up to the federal are they exercising illegitimate powers that they should not be exercising, and if the answer is yes. Then, my friend, we're in danger because the the logical yep. end of that does end with camps and starvation and government deciding who is essential and who isn't.
2: Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, not wearing your mask, in, you know, in the next year or two, may be a crime against the people. And the the, the maskers will be on your jury in a post-republic tribunal for crimes against the people. Okay, so help, help me, help
0: me to... out here, Jared. Um, I know we turned the corner. It's a new calendar page. It's May 1st here in Utah. Um, are, are we supposed to be wearing masks in public? Is that now official public policy? Has the governor decreed it so?
2: No, but it's uh, it's sure getting around. Just when you think things ought to be lining up, more more and more people are or coming into compliance. I mean, I see big, strong men walking through the grocery store with some kind of funny underwear mask on their face, and and they don't realize and that. Reminds me. Yesterday in Smiths, I was standing in line, and and uh, nobody's punched me yet, or even yelled at me more than a yeah. But I'm <laughs> people masks. And we're sitting in line, and it's taking longer because we're all in line and trying to stay six feet and all that nonsense. And I looked at the, the two people, little couple, and I said, you know, if you can whiff a fart, you can smell a virus, you can breathe a virus. And that that really made them smile, and they started chuckling. And most people that were wearing those masks didn't acknowledge that. They didn't acknowledge me. and But it's absolutely true. People that... You read these Michael Crichton books, uh, the Germ Warfare Lab. They're not in there wearing a little cloth mask, a surgeon's mask, a dentist's mask. They're wearing a hazmat suit, space suit, with air tanks.
0: Yeah. I Look, I, I'm not going to tell anybody not to wear a mask, but uh, like I've said before on the show, I... I feel like it's it's my duty to push back against this because I'm not convinced that it's an absolute necessity. And the people who use the well, you know, a person who pees their pants, you know, uh, only gets themselves, you know, soiled versus someone who's not wearing pants, you know. And it's like, okay, that's thank you for, you know, trying to use the toilet analogy. But the bottom line is just because somebody pees their pants doesn't mean that everybody should have to wear a diaper either.
2: No, here's another thing. Do you think, now, your eyes are, are, are another vulnerable area. It, the mask will keep you from spitting on your neighbor. If, if that's a problem for you, please, please, whether it's in season or not. But what about your eyes? Are, are goggles going to be required in the next six months during the next wave? Will all be wearing goggles?
0: A good question. Your eyes. Yeah, it's and I, I don't know vulnerable. the answer. Well, Jared, thanks yeah, for crazy. thanks for standing boldly and nobly as you often do and for moving With people out yeah and moving <laughs> people out of their comfort zone. I'm sure that for those who do appreciate it and there are those who do and there's also a lot who don't, but but thanks for being willing to stick your neck out.
2: Thanks for talking about it, Brian.
0: Okay. 801-331-8113. Let me jump back here to this article again from reason.com. New Wyoming law lets local ranchers sell cuts of meat directly to consumers. This is an amendment to an existing bipartisan Food Freedom Act that was put in place five years ago. And Wyoming State Representative Tyler Lindholm was the guy who co sponsored that act. He says the idea for the bill is simple let ranchers and farmers sell herd shares for their animals. That way the entire herd is owned by all of the customers before the slaughter, thereby meeting the exemption standards of the federal law. Now the the rancher doesn't have to jump through the hoops of the Federal Meat Inspection Act and can utilize the smaller mom-and-pop butchers that still exist in most of our small towns. Now the premise behind animal shares isn't exactly new. For instance, some states which prohibit raw or unpasteurized milk sales allow distribution to people who've purchased shares in one or more of a farmer's dairy cattle. And those herd share agreements let a farmer raise and care for the herd shared livestock in exchange for providing some of its typically unpasteurized milk to share owners. You know, the state of Utah did this just a few years ago. And up until that time, I didn't realize that so many of uh, my my good neighbors at that time were part of a criminal cabal. You know, brother and sister Capone, Mr. and Mrs. Dillinger. Let's see, there was at least one other family. I can't remember who it was. Uh, Anyway. It was one of the crime families, though. They they had all gone in. Three of these families had gone in together on a dairy cow. And it was a good cow. I think it was a Holstein produced about uh, five gallons of milk a day. That's a lot of milk. Even if you have teenage boys, that is a ton of milk. And so very often, maybe a couple times a week, we would get contacted by one or more of these families asking, hey, could you guys use a gallon of milk? Now, keep in mind, we're talking gallons of milk that came in a nice big glass glass. Jar with a big, thick, two or three inch thick layer of cream sitting on top. I mean, come on. What is not to love? We churned our own butter. We made homemade ice cream. We made ah, uh, we made so many yummy things out of that. Did we worry about the fact that it was not pasteurized? Pfft, not for a moment. But what we didn't know at that time, and apparently what the uh, co-owners of that uh, that cow did not know at the time is technically under Utah law. That was all against the law. And so we found out uh, only after we realized, well, you know, the legislature is changing that law now, so that's no longer a criminal act. We're like, really? We were part of a criminal cabal? I don't know. I, on the one hand, I so appreciated the milk. And by the way, they didn't sell it to us. They gave it to us, which I thought was extremely generous. And I'll admit, I, I got a little uh, little swell of pride in my heart that, uh, wow. We've been doing something that uh, would be verboten under any other circumstances. But thankfully, they changed the law. I would love to see more states follow the example of Wyoming, whether it's meat sharing, whether it's, you know, herd sharing on a dairy cow or something like that. The bottom line is the, the Wyoming amendment is clearing the path between the consumers and the producers. And there's still every incentive for those producers to make sure that they are giving a good, healthy product to the end users. It doesn't make sense. We're going to cut corners. We don't care if there's rat droppings or typhoid or some other disease present in the food that we're selling. They have every reason to make sure that it's a good product. Now, since the Food Freedom Act's passage five years ago, Lindholm, Representative Lindholm, has sought ways to improve the law. Meat sales were always at the top of that list. And this amendment does have some limits. For instance, it doesn't allow for the resale or donation of meat that is obtained under the law. So for third-party retail or restaurant sales, nope, those aren't allowed either. Or for sales taking place off a farm or ranch. It also requires, among other things, that ownership shares be established prior to the animal slaughter. But it sure sounds like a step in the right direction. I'll post a link to this. You can check it out for yourself. Maybe you think it's a good idea. Maybe not. But I'm really hoping that, that at least at some level, I'll take the little teeny tiny piecemeal victories where government regulation can be rolled back, where greater freedom, greater choice, greater ability to act in your own self-interest is afforded to the people. If that has to start on a state-by-state basis, I mean, come on, Wyoming's one out of 50 states. But I happen to believe that uh, they are the one out of the 50 states that is actually doing the right thing. Let's hope that uh, that kind of courage is contagious and that it makes sense to others as well. I would love to see other state legislators follow suit, and I'd love to see consumers stand on their feet and back this. Thanks so much for joining us today. This is Loving Liberty. Have yourself a great weekend.